You see, it's interesting that we've picked up already on the themes of, of forgiveness and repentance tonight. Um, as I was planning for this morning, I, um, I decided I was going to link the two, because often you find, you, in, in, in a morning sermon, there's never enough time, and there's never enough time in an evening sermon either, so I'm kind of doing part two tonight, but don't worry, it's not, um, you don't have to have seen the first episode, it's not like Bodyguard. <laughs> You know, I know what you're all thinking. We'll be back in time for the last episode. But you see, the passage that we looked at this morning was from John 16. And the very first verse in that, verse 12, John 16, verse 12, it says, this is Jesus talking to his disciples in the upper room on the night of the Passover meal, just hours before Jesus is going to be arrested, tried, tormented, mocked, beaten, flogged, and eventually crucified. Just hours before those events begin to unfold, Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's teaching them. And hidden in the middle of of, of John 16, and in fact all the chapters that that John gives us, giving quite an exhaustive account of what was said that night, there's that verse 12. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. When I, when I was a young man, well, not, not quite, but I used to do an awful lot of orienteering, going out and uh, into the hills with a pack on my back, and I used to love it, and I still do when I get the chance. And um, navigation is very, very important to orienteering, as, as I'm sure you're aware. And I used to be quite good with a map and compass. And one day I decided I wanted to do a proper qualification so I could take groups of, uh, of young people out and train them. And so I did a thing called a mountain leaders course. Um, and you have to, you have to do um, a, a week's training course, and then if you pass your week's training, then you get to go and do another week um, once, you, once you've had 50 mountain days and you've experienced different weathers and different times of year and all that sort of thing, different terrain, different countries, preferably. Um, when they think you've got a big enough bank of experience, you can go back and spend another week doing your, your assessment course, which is quite an intense course. Anyway, so I went along for my, for my week's training and I thought I was quite good with a map and compass because I knew that wherever I was, as long as I had a, the right map and a compass that worked, um, I knew how to, I could look around, I could see the physical features, I could, I could um, uh, uh, spot the, the, the shapes of, of mountains, hills, ridges, see the lines of, of rivers, trees, roads, rails, whatever. And I could identify on the map where I was. I could take compass bearings, I could take back bearings, I, I could work out to the nearest 100 square feet where I was. Which in a mountain range, I know it doesn't sound that particularly impressive, but when you're in a mountain range where every valley and, and peak looks the same, that's quite good. <clears throat> and I was confident that I could find myself on a map to that level of accuracy. And so we went through the week, and there was a bit of rope work, there was a bit of first aid, there was some appalling conditions, but regardless of conditions, you still go out and, and walk. And um, at the end of the week, you, you sort of have an assessment. And I was, one of the things I was asked to do, just in the middle of a bleak, barren hillside in, in North Wales, tell me where you are on, on the map. <clears throat> okay, sir, no problem. Got my compass, worked it out, worked out the physical features, looked at the shape of the contours on the map, tried to imagine them, yep, okay, I think that's that peak, that's that peak, okay, there's a valley, That. yep, okay, right, I know where I am, I'm there, sir, where? 
well, I'm in that little area there. Yeah, but where are you? Well, I'm that little area there. And I, I picked a blade of grass, so you had a little pointer. It's one of the tips they give you. And I said, I'm just there. And he said, how confident are you? I said, well, I'm pretty confident. He said, how big an area can you be accurate to? And I said, I'm confident within 100 square foot. He said, right, okay. Okay, great. You happy with that? And at this point, I'm beginning to feel a bit uneasy. I said, yes. You sure? Yes. He said, right, okay. And he started walking. He just went, one, two, three, four, five. He got to 36 paces, and I could see what was going to happen because there was a cliff edge. (laughs) And he stopped, thankfully, and he said, he said, 100 square feet isn't good enough. If you want to take people up into the hills and teach them how to use a map and compass, being accurate at 100 square, square feet just isn't good enough. And I was, I was gutted. He said, he said, you need to be accurate to within 10 square feet. Well done. You've, you've, you've done your week's training, but you're not ready for any sort of assessment. Go away, do some more training, get some more experience, get more accurate. And life went on. I never actually went back and tried again. But it always stuck with me because I had it in my mind that I was good with a map and compass. And I had it in my mind that, you know, you never lose those skills. Um, about 18 months ago, a friend, um, a friend of mine and I, um, we walked St Peter's Way from, from uh, the uh, St Peter's Chapel just near um, uh, Bradwell-on-Sea um, to Ongo. It's, I think it's about 45, 50 miles, something like that. And we started at midnight one night, walked through the night and finished the next day. It was, it was, it was brilliant. But there was one point there. So it's fairly easy to walk. Um, it's, it's not a navigational challenge because, you know, let's face it, it's through Essex. There aren't many mountain peaks you find yourself stranded on. But... Um, as, uh, as we were walking along, at one point, we were following a river and there was a split on the marshes near Malden. There was a split in the path. And there was no, it was about three o'clock in the morning and there was no obvious St Peter's Way sign. So we got the map out, got the compass out. And to my horror, I looked at these things, having assured my friend that navigation wasn't an issue. And I thought, it's been about ten years since I last looked at a map and compass. How on earth do I make the two work together? How on earth do I work out which of these options is the right one to take? And I was standing there, and it must have been quite evident that I didn't know what I was doing, because my mate then got his phone out and got the ordnance survey map, and then he, before I could work anything out, said, yes, this one. It was so frustrating. I was so cross, because I thought I knew how to use it. I thought I knew how to use the tools at my disposal because there had been a time where I knew it very, very well. But I hadn't bothered to keep my skills sharp. As we learn things, we have to make sure that we learn at the right pace. This morning, when I was speaking at South Green, I said, knowledge doesn't work if we try and take it as a, an instant download, everything at the same time. As we, as we learn, we have, to be learned, we have to be taught step by step by step. And no matter how good we can get at something, the, the, the learning process is never actually complete. Even, even great academics, great experts in their field, people at the top of their game, whatever that may be, 
need to keep on practising. Professional sports people train every day, sometimes several times a day. So where does that leave us scripture-wise? Well, over the summer, I've been looking at Psalm 119. Don't worry, we're not going to look at the whole thing tonight. It's very long. But I've been challenged on the attitude with which we can approach Scripture. Tonight, we're just going to take a brief look at Psalm 119, starting at verse 33. Because this, there's, a, there's a passage of verses here, from verse 33 to verse 40, where it strikes me that the psalmist is so humble, is so disciplined in his obedience to God. There is no pride. There is no attitude of, I'm an expert, therefore I don't need teaching. I've learnt what I need to know. He says, teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees. Then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servant so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts. Preserve my life in your righteousness. Being at college, it's very easy sometimes to write an essay, get a good grade and think, oh, brilliant, excellent, I've cracked that one. It's very easy um, to write an essay, get a bad grade and give yourself an absolute kicking. Because our reactions, it, we, the way we judge ourselves is based on the way we perceive ourselves. This psalmist here, he's written Psalm 119. This is clearly a very, very spiritual individual. This is someone who has taken time, who has learning, who has knowledge, who has life experience. This is someone who is writing not purely for, for personal pleasure, but writing to pass on that experience, that knowledge, that learning. And what does he say? Verse 33 begins, teach me. Verse 34, give me understanding. Verse 35, direct me. Verse 36, turn my heart Verse 37, turn my eyes. You see, all of these are acts of humility. Every single one of these is a request to God, saying, Lord, I'm lacking in knowledge. Please teach me. Lord, I don't understand. Please help me. Father, I'm, I'm lost. Will you direct me? Lord, I'm struggling. 
I'm struggling with temptation. Will you turn my heart? Father, there is so much distraction in the world around me. Please turn my eyes. You see, the attitude that's encouraged here is, is one of obedience. It's one of humility. Now, humility is something which, you know, often I think as a church, I think we're quite good at practising. There was a great example this week. Um, we had the church golf day on Monday. And, uh, you know, it's a great example of humility because um, the Birrigan Baptist Church Golf Society members allowed all of our guests to win all the prizes. <clears throat> great humility. But actually, we're about to come before the communion table. We're about to remind ourselves again of that upper room. We're about to remind ourselves of Jesus giving his final instructions to his disciples. Jesus was well aware that we can only learn at a certain pace. Jesus was well aware that we can't get this instant download. We couldn't cope with it. When Jesus said, when Jesus said, all that belongs to the Father is mine, in verse 15 of the passage that was preached on this morning, what he's saying to his disciples is, I am God. The disciples were well aware that, that God, the Father, was the father of creation, everything that was created, the, the planets hung in space right down to the most minute ecosystem. That was what belongs to the Father. So when Jesus says, when Jesus says, all that belongs to the Father is mine, Jesus is pointing to himself and saying, I am God. Make no mistake. The Father that you imagine, this is me. That's me. We are one and the same. We're not separate entities. I'm not simply a representative. I'm so much more than that. I am he. You see, when Jesus talks about knowledge, he's not just talking about expertise in one specific field, having a, a niche area of learning. He's talking about the complete understanding of the mechanics of creation the complete understanding of life, the complete understanding of why everything that happens, happens. That's what Jesus is talking about when he talks about knowledge. And so as we come before this communion table, let's just take some time now to make sure that our hearts are right, to make sure that our attitude is one of submission, one of obedience, one of humility and one of discipline. Let's make sure that we are never too proud, too arrogant or too dim to reach out to God, to reach out to fellow Christians, our fathers in the faith, the people that we respect, the people around us, and say, teach me, give me understanding, direct me, turn my heart, turn my eyes, feed me, give me your, your help, I need to be built up. 
on, um, on Wednesday night at the church meeting. Um, it, was, it was a massive relief to me and Joe, to be honest, because it's been, a, it's been um, a summer of anxiety, it's fair to say. And it was lovely just to have, um, have that reassurance from the church. Um, and we were, we were delighted and we were very excited about the future, um, the future here at Billericay Baptist Church. But there was, a, there was a comment that was made, I forget who made it, but someone said, um, um, Ian's got a number two. And with all respect to that, whoever, whoever it was who said it, that's not true. That's not the case. If we believe in a priesthood of all believers, we cannot use the language of hierarchy, the language of, of a rank structure. You know, I look around this room now and I see so many people that have got so much more experience and knowledge and understanding of the Christian faith and, and scripture and, and how, how, we can, how we can live our lives that I'm no one's, I'm no one's number two. If we've got 230 members then I'm number 231. I'm starting out in my ministry. I need to remind myself on a daily basis to have the humility to look around my church, to look around my friends and my family, the Christians that I meet, and say, do me a favour, teach me, give me understanding, direct me, turn my heart when I, when I, when I drift away, turn my eyes when I get distracted, Keep me on the right path. I need to do that. And you know what? So do you. Each and every one of us, we need to have this discipline. We need to have this thirst for knowledge. Not, not just, not just this, this tiny drip feeding, but a continuous thirst for knowledge. That every day we can improve ourselves before God. Every day we can strive to fulfil his will for us on this earth. So as we come before this communion table now, I'm just going to pray. I'm not just going to pray. I'm going to pray. And then I'm just going to leave some time for us to confess silently to God what we need to confess and just to make sure that our heart and our attitude are right before him. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word and for the richness of it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence with us tonight. And Lord, thank you for the presence of Jesus with his disciples on that night all those years ago when they gathered in that upper room to share the Passover meal. Father, thank you for the teachings that are recorded, that are written down, that we can, that we can read, that we can learn from, that we can absorb. Father, thank you for the psalmist who demonstrated the attitude of humility. Father, so often we talk about the priesthood of all believers. Well, Father, help us to practice that. Help us to minister to one another and to receive ministry from one another. Father, the, the only number one is you. And so, Lord, as we, as we come before you now, as we prepare ourselves, prepare our hearts for the communion table, Lord, help us just reset our spiritual compasses. 
so that if we've drifted off a few degrees to the east or the west, we can put them back onto you. We can refocus on you. We can make sure that our, our paths are redirected to you. Lord, let us not be distracted. Let us not, be, let us not have our hearts or our eyes turned away from the path you have set for us. And help us to discern that now. Lord, in this time, please hear our prayers.